Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from the Executive Director of the Dumore Agriculture Foundation. Also, Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson will stop by the program. And up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Crop Alliance and get an update on corn seeding. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Crop Alliance to give us an update on corn seeding. Generally for Manitoba corn planting, I would say that it is pretty nearly wrapped up. Um, Of course, we still can plant it and um, our planting deadlines from MASD for crop insurance have been extended a bit, um, about five days-ish for all areas. Um, But... I think at this stage, it's a, a, a good decision to be making and actually putting some, some time and thought into whether it's going to be you know, viable for your own farm, depending on where you are and what the water situation is and, of course, everything and what um, hybrids you have access to. So majority is, of corn planting is, is done, I would say, but there will still be some flex acres, or acres that I think will go in in the next little while. I guess farmers were, that was kind of the first thing they were trying to finish, uh, the corn planting? Yeah, corn, corn's got such a short deadline, right? Like we want it in before the end of May, generally, in Manitoba. Um, every day now, um, we'll, you'll see a hit on your yield, really, unless we just have a, a fantastic and open fall, which would be fantastic, of course, for everything. But um, generally, you're going to see a bit of a decline every day, and because Corn is such a big crop, you know, a little bit of a, a decline can um, make a lot of difference. So corn just does best when it's planted early. We know that. We're starting to see some of that emerge as well. Yeah, so I haven't been in the field too much. <laughs> um, but I think that some of that earlier planted corn will be emerging. Um, you know, something that was planted two weeks ago for sure will be, I think, because um, soils are nice and warm. But if anything got in last week, there might be a, a small chance that it emerging early last week yeah i guess just talk a little bit more about the about the soil conditions you know things are still quite wet out there i guess especially after this last rain here yeah yeah definitely no question about that so of course the rain was varied um so from west to east we have very different conditions so i know some guys in the in the west are still putting acres in depending what it is i don't think there'd be too much corn going in but there may be and they're able to get going. So corn obviously love, loves moisture, but doesn't like to sit in it for too long. Um, it doesn't, you know, like it's, it's feet wet, really, um, but can handle it for a few days. So corn that's sitting in the water is, is just going to, like, imbibe the, the moisture and bloat a little bit, and then probably will rot in the ground. We just want to remind growers that if they have some acres that they still want to put in and they don't know what to put it into, I mean, we do have a lot of deadlines that haven't been reached yet. Of course, there's still a hit on yield on many crops if you're still extending that, that planting or seeding season. But sunflowers and flax aren't, you know, they don't have a deadline until June 15th or 20th. So we still have acres that can be put in if you can get on the ground. There's lots of options left. And just, just explore your options and trying something new might not be a bad thing for this year, I think. Yeah, you know what? I should uh, ask you about sunflowers as well. How, how is the uh, seeding going with those? I don't really know. I, this, sunflowers is a crop that usually gets planted a little bit later than 
most because it likes warmth and it really needs to have a great start to be successful because it is planted at such low planting rates. I mean, there's so many, so few plants per um, per foot or per meter, whatever way you measure it. Um, but the deadline hasn't been reached yet, so it's not unheard of to be planting into June. But it's not it's not ideal, but it's definitely still possible if you have a nice piece of ground and it digs deep for moisture. It's okay with moisture. It'll use up a lot of moisture. It's a water-loving plant, and it uses a lot of water. So if you have a piece that's able to be planted on and it's got a little bit of excess moisture, that the sunflowers will use it. That was Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Crop Alliance. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Agriculture says provincial seeding progress sits at 40% complete, behind the five-year average of 91% for week 21. Here's cereal specialist Ann Kirk. People that weren't able to get their corn in or perhaps their soybeans in before this big rain will definitely be looking at uh, switching some acres out. kind of depends on what area people are in and, and if their corn was safe for green or silage, what they're going to be doing. But yeah, we'll definitely probably see some acres switched out of corn uh, this week in favor of other shorter season crops. She notes farmers are growing slightly more oats than previous years, preferring the crop over barley being more tolerant to wet soils. And the Canadian Federation of Agriculture is receiving up to $82,000 in agri-diversity funding. Here's Vice President Keith Curry. These monies are going to go toward advancing and engaging women in agriculture principally. And the project, we hope, will provide farm organizations right across Canada with some type of a framework to help address some of the barriers that women have been facing and in getting involved in agriculture and, and beyond that also celebrate those who, who are leaders in our sector. I mean, we're fortunate at CFA, we have one of our own in Mary Robinson who's heading the charge for us and uh, she's a prime example of why more women should get involved. So, you know, we want to raise the awareness of all the benefits that, uh, of women getting involved in farm businesses and uh, hopefully it, uh, it takes off. In total, five organizations will receive a total of $735,000 to help increase the participation of underrepresented groups in the Canadian agriculture and agri-food industry. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, June 2nd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Jim Everson, President of the Canola Council of Canada. This week, representatives from the Canola Council of Canada, Cereals Canada, and Pulse Canada met with government decision makers about the establishment of a diversification office in the Indo-Pacific region. Jim Everson is president of the Canola Council of Canada. Canola Council working with Cereals Canada and Pulse Canada, so the major you know, Western commodity groups, you really teamed up to talk about how we can um, improve access to the Indo-Pacific region and um, and, and work with Government of Canada to do so. So we're holding meetings with Ottawa as a, as a partnership to talk about that. And really, uh, you know, the issue is that uh, the Asia, Asia area, mostly in Indo-Asia area, is the highest area of, of growth economically in, in terms of um, people moving into the middle class and having more disposable income and be able to spend. So it's a, it's a market where um, when diversification happens in grains and oil seeds, it's, uh, it's a high growth market. So we really want to focus in that area. Yeah, I guess to talk about, um, you know, the reasoning behind uh, looking into this, this uh, diversification office. Well, there's a really a couple of things. One is that, um, you know, when it comes to market access issues uh, facing the grains and oil seed sector uh, these days, 
a lot of it revolves around regulatory issues, uh, sanitary and phytosanitary issues that um, impact on your ability to import, and 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 they're really highly technical, science-based kind of issues. And so, when dealing with those issues, it's not the kind of work that a that a diplomat or a or a trade commissioner is uh, is really equipped for. Although we rely very heavily on on government of Canada officials in, in those categories as well. But it's more, you know, the the uh, plant scientists and people that are uh, focused on issues around um, uh, contaminants in in grain or or grain quality issues and and plant protection issues and so on. And so. It's those sorts of people who, who we really need some support from in dealing with the regulatory authorities in some of these markets that we want to diversify in, markets like Pakistan and Indonesia and so on, where there's some real growth opportunities. Yeah, I guess just talk a little bit about um, the meetings. You know, uh, who, who are you meeting with there today? So there's a group of uh, people from these three commodity groups, including the Canola Council, that are meeting with the um, Trade Committee of the House of Commons and talking about this issue today because they're doing work on agricultural trade currently. And then also meeting with some of the key government officials. So obviously Agriculture Canada would be part of it and Global Affairs and the trade trade people there, uh, you know, to make our case about um, how valuable it would be to have that sort of uh, support and we've released a report, and the report looks at what you know some other commod- um, jurisdictions are doing, and and you know many of them are have people in government, the government people who are who are committed to those marketplaces and who are, are, are helping to improve market access there, and we think the government of Canada could, could certainly help with that in our case. That was Jim Everson, President of the Canola Council of Canada. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. The Canadian Charlet Association is hosting its annual general meeting June 10th to the 12th in Russell. Visit charlet.com for more details. And the Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo along with the 113th annual fair June 25th and 26th. The Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their inter-club judging competition Friday evening and an open 4-H beef show on Saturday. The Do More Agriculture Foundation is receiving up to $76,000 in agri-diversity funding. I got the details from Executive Director Megs Reynolds. So we are going to be doing a research project through agrodiversity, and we're working with um, the Wilton Group out of Ontario and also with Openly. And so we're looking to first start with an environmental scan to see what support exists for minority groups in agriculture um, and then to go from there and kind of come up with suggestions for uh, ways that we can all move forward to address some of those gaps. Um, we at Dumore really want to be a connector in that space, so really making sure we're working with everyone else who's also operating in the mental health space and agriculture, working with government, working with um, the different uh, farm groups, et cetera, and, of course, making sure everything we do um, is, is meeting everyone in agriculture where they're at and providing services that they will utilize. And uh, do you have a timeline for this project? 
it's going to run over the next year. So we're hoping to um, be able to present our final report in February, March 2023. I just wanted to talk a little bit in in general about the services that you offer. Um, you know, it's been a been a tough couple of years here for uh, farmers. Can you just expand a little bit on on what you offer, and I guess some of the uh, maybe some of the uptake that you've seen here over the past uh, little while? Mm-hmm. So, as far as the direct services that Dumore offers, they're uh, different courses that we've created and run. Um, one being our talk ask listen course, and that's a four hour workshop. It's mental health literacy specific to agriculture, and we've been really working to get that out to uh, producers, rural communities, and then those that work in agriculture. So, um, you know, your lenders, your insurance providers, your input dealers, etc. And then we also have a course, Ag Culture, which is an agriculture literacy course that we designed for mental health professionals, and we've been delivering that to um, social workers. We've been delivering delivering it to rural nurses and doctors, to uh, people that may be on the other end of a crisis line, with the understanding that um, agriculture has some unique challenges and it's very hard to connect with someone in agriculture if you don't have a basic understanding of the industry. And also being very aware that with the increased stigma surrounding mental health and agriculture, that it takes a lot for that person to reach out and call, whether that's to call their crisis liner or make a session with a therapist. And if you, you know, in that first conversation are met with someone who does not understand or have basic understanding of the industry, there's a very good chance that that person in agriculture will shut down and they won't try again. So we're really working hard to try to make sure that there's education out there on the industry so that those providing support services can form therapeutic relationships. So those are kind of our two courses. We also run a community fund through FCC or with FCC where we bring our Talk Ask Listen course and mental health first aid to communities across Canada. And then our website is a really great place to find resources. It can be hard to find the numbers that you need to call if you're looking to call a crisis line. Every province is different as what they have for support. So some might have a rural crisis line, others might have an egg-specific crisis line. Some provinces don't have anything. Um, so our website is a really easy place to find all of those numbers broken down between either national support or provincial support. And then if you allow the website to see your location, it will bring up um, mental health professionals and services that are near your location. And those are ones that we have um, been in contact with and we know that there is someone with either a knowledge or a background of agriculture there. Was there anything else you wanted to leave with us here today? Or I would just say that, um, you know, we, this is a challenging year, and if, if we can all try to um, challenge ourselves to have more meaningful conversations with those in our lives and, and reach out to somebody to have a conversation that may feel hard to have because we're not used to having conversations where we ask how someone is doing and expect an answer other than that, you know, standard, I'm fine response but to really try to have some of those conversations because there's a lot of people in our industry right now that could just use having somebody to talk to. That was Megs Reynolds, Executive Director with the Dumore Agriculture Foundation. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment.
Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture is receiving up to $82,000 in agrodiversity funding to support the organization's Engaging and Advancing Women in Agriculture project. Here's Vice President Keith Curry. We want to start designing uh, a variety of skills and leadership uh, programs that will be complemented with mentorship opportunities. I think that's probably the best way, uh, you know, creating those networks out there that people can look at, communication strategies around, uh, you know, women in agriculture and highlight some of the barriers they face and how to help overcome them and opportunities that, you know, can arise from inclusivity uh, among genders. In total, five organizations will receive a total of $735,000 to help increase the participation of underrepresented groups in the Canadian agriculture and agri-food industry. And Manitoba Agriculture says early planted spring wheat, oat and barley fields are now emerging. Here's cereal specialist Ann Kirk. We're finally starting to see some growing fields from spring seeded crops. So uh, some of those crops were planted probably, you know, 10 days or so ago are merging or at the two-leaf stage. So since the soil has been moist and um, it's been fairly warm out, we have been seeing some rapid germination and even emergence across fields. Winter cereal crops have begun to joint and have canopy row closure, with a few crops showing signs of nitrogen deficiency. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.